Good morning, my beautiful beans, or hello, I should say. It might not be morning when you're listening to this, but welcome to today's episode. This episode is all going to be about trust. How do you tr- how do you trust somebody when your trust has been broken before? How to regain trust within with the same person, and also how to reframe what you consider trust to be. I think a lot of people have this skewed idea of what trust actually means and I really want to break it down so you understand that the action of trusting has way more to do with you and yourself and your relationship with yourself than it has to do with the other person and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. So obviously you do need two to tango when it comes to trusting somebody but I'm going to explain why you can do a lot to work on that trust and it could have nothing to do with the other person. I'm also going to be explaining how to help build trust within a relationship as well. So there's a lot you can do as an individual to feel like you can trust people more because you might be someone that you're like, I'm just not a trusting person. I just struggle to trust people, which I could, I just don't. So that's definitely all about you. But then there's the other side of things where you're like either – In general, I trust people, but I can't trust anyone in a romantic relationship because I've just been burnt so many times. Or my partner has done something or given me really strong reason to not trust them. And now we're trying to work through it, but I just don't know how to start trusting them again. So I'm going to be covering both those things. Now, before we get into the topic of today's episode, I do want to answer one listener story. I don't have a brain fact for today, um, but I'll get straight into the brain facts next week. So we're going to do one listener story that someone's emailed in. I'm going to try and just do these kind of dropped in here and there throughout the different episodes um, because it's good to slowly get to answer a whole bunch of all your questions. So let's get straight into it. Okay, so this listener question I absolutely loved because it's a topic that I think I wanted to cover several times and it just it, I, it always just escapes me when I'm doing the podcast so thank you for reminding me of this topic it's something I'd love to discuss right now let's start with the email hi Alexis I'm such a huge fan of your podcast I tune in from Alaska that is fucking awesome I love that so much you don't know how much you've changed my life and my perspective on things I know you get a ton of emails but I'll still shoot my shot I'm glad you did um, I would like more advice on how to build strong platonic male friendships sometimes you just need male slash masculine energy you know I love my girlfriends, but men have their own perspective on things and it's just refreshing and they tend to be more level-headed or less emotional. I think that's debatable, but fair enough. That's fine. Um, I have a couple of guy friends who I cherish, but but it's been getting harder to make new ones right now without offending them. I've attached a screenshot so you know how it usually goes. A podcast on that would be awesome, but just answering would be incredibly helpful. Okay. So she sent me a screenshot of a message. I'm not going to read it verbatim just for privacy reasons, but... Basically, this person says, oh, I didn't go to this thing that you were invited, that you had invited me to go to, basically saying that pretty much having a winch saying, I don't actually know what my intentions are. I just want to have fun with you. And then they go on and say, I won't be in the friend zone or I won't be a friend zone bitch. And then do you know what I mean? Then she replies with saying, thanks for your, thanks for your honesty. I didn't want to make you feel that way. Um, I actually just want to catch up as friends, but pretty much makes it very clear that she only wants a friendship. And if this person's not open to a friendship, then she's she's prepared to say goodbye to, to that kind of relationship. Okay, let's break this down. Firstly, the word friend zone, in my opinion, is a word that can be thrown out. I hate the word friend zone. It's kind of like a guy saying that they are a victim of a situation. They are a victim of the fact that 
They wanted sex, but all they get is a friendship and that's not good enough for them and now they're having their own little tantrum or meltdown because of that. So now they like, don't come at me because I wanted to be your friend and then get annoyed about it. Like, are we all fucking deluded here? This term friend zone is a toxic term. It's putting the blame on somebody for wanting a friendship and for not being sexually interested in someone. What the fuck is wrong with people? They genuinely feel that they have been wronged because someone didn't want to fuck them or didn't want a sexual relationship, including a romantic relationship. That's a sexual relationship, okay? That, to me, is the weakest, weakest, weakest form of energy. It is embarrassing. It screams lack of emotional maturity. It screams lack of ownership of one's own emotions and one's own thoughts. And it's literally someone having a whinge. Get a grip on reality. Not everyone wants to have sex with you, especially not now, okay? So if I were you and somebody sent that message, I would send something of a similar reply, but it would be way more concise and a lot colder. I would seriously say, I am glad you sent me that message. Now I know exactly where both of us stand. All the best with your future. Goodbye. That would be it. No, like not, you, or even, even just a goodbye. Or just a, bye, I can't, like whatever you want. But to me, that energy, oh, you. the thing is that you're going to start to get really, really good at detecting this kind of person a mile away, okay? Unfortunately for you, you seem to have crossed paths with people with this, this same kind of energy, feeling a sense of entitlement to a sexual encounter with you. And when you did not, in, in, in inverted commas, provide that for this person, they now feel entitled to have a meltdown about it. My issue with the word friend zone also, when when people use it as in, oh, you friend zone me, or I don't want to be in the friend zone. My issue with that is that it implies that there was a window of opportunity where they may not have fallen into this zone. And had they done something differently or said something differently, or maybe there's a way you can learn how to get out of the, the, the friend zone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It kind of takes away the fact that you are an individual with autonomy and you just want to have them as a friend, okay? This idea of, oh, I, I, I got stuck in the friend zone. You didn't get stuck anywhere. You weren't going anywhere but a friendship. I don't like this idea where people genuinely put all this – all this, um, all these ideas behind, oh, well, had you done this, had you done that, it could have been differently. It's kind of saying that they're the ones that have control of where this was going and then when you took control of where it was going, they then got upset. They then got annoyed and now they're kind of dangling the threat of not wanting to hang out with you anymore unless they can hang out on their terms. And in a way... That's fine that they're going to do that, but you have to respond very clearly. If someone's going to say, well, I only want to hang out, especially when they say, this can't, says, I don't know what my intentions are, but I just want to have fun. That's, that literally just means I want to have sex with you. That's what I want. I want to have sex with you and you're not giving me that. That's what that person is saying, okay? But if someone's saying, oh, you know, I only want to hang out with you if it's more than a friendship – then you have to make it extremely clear that this friendship and any other kind of relationship is over. No bad blood, not interested, goodbye, it is over. There's no, oh, you know, maybe we can like re, you know, maybe we can bring this back to a friendship, this and that. You know how they operate and it's best you don't entertain any kind of relationship with somebody like that, in my opinion. 
how many people, and mainly women, how many times has this happened where you've been made to feel guilty because you didn't want to have sex with somebody? Like this happens all the time and that is like rapey culture. It's like a subconscious way of making someone feel that they are in the wrong because they didn't give that person what they wanted and what they wanted was sex. Like thank God he didn't go to that event that you invited him to. That's the trash taking themselves out. All right, that's me having my like meltdown about that whole topic about friend zones. Let's get into the topic of today's episode. Unfortunately, my advice to you around building strong male platonic friendships. Unfortunately, when someone displays this kind of behavior, that friendship can't really happen with somebody like that. So it's the actual kind of person that you are interacting with that you can then determine if there's going to be a friendship or not. It's not like, oh, that person's cool. Now, how do I make sure that it's only a friendship? You can't do that. Because someone's going to interpret something some way, someone's going to feel entitled, someone's going to have feelings for you or not or whatever or just want something more than just a friendship even though they don't have those feelings and you can't control that. So the only thing you can do is try and meet different kinds of people from different kinds of groups until you find the kinds of people that are quite emotionally mature. This all comes down to an emotional maturity and a respect for other people, okay? Often someone who's not emotionally mature or who's not very respectful of other people or in particular respectful of women is probably going to behave in this like victim way where they're annoyed because they didn't get to have sex essentially. Okay, so unfortunately there's not much I can say other than try and see these people coming a mile away so you don't waste your time entertaining what you think is a friendship when in reality it's not. All right, let's get into the topic of today. Okay, so we're talking about trust um, in today's episode. And the first thing that I want to talk about is obviously the definition of trust. So the definition by, as far as the dictionary is concerned, is to believe in the reliability, truth or ability of someone or something. Okay. So it's a belief. Trusting is, I believe in what you have told me or, or what you have promised me. Okay. That's what trust is. Now, I'm going to be referring to different kinds of scenarios in this episode, but I want you to be aware of two different ones. There's one kind where you're saying, you know, I trust that you're not currently lying to me. I trust that you are faithful to me. I trust that you are telling me the truth. And then there's the other kind of trust that's more keeping your word into the future kind of trust. And I think that one is a one that a lot of people struggle with because it's like you made a commitment. You promised that you would do X, Y, Z forever or you said that you would never do X. And I'm going to go into that a little bit and explain how that form of trust is quite quite complicated to navigate and that it has to be taken with a, with a grain of salt when we talk about future promises and, and long, long-term commitments, okay? Because if you allow yourself to focus on that thing and someone broke a commitment or a promise that they made that was a promise that went way into the future and someone broke that and you're then saying, oh, now that that's been broken, I can't trust anybody, then you're really setting yourself up for a very, very difficult life, okay? Because trust comes from within you, okay? Of course, there's going to be a lot of markers out there that can help you identify who is a lot easier to trust and who is not. And we'll go into that a little bit. I'll give you a bit of a list. 
But ultimately, it's a feeling that you create for yourself. I feel that I can trust you or I feel that I can't. And that feeling is generated based on what evidence is available and on what experiences you've gone through in the past, okay? Now, first, I'm going to speak about trust from within, like you and your relationship with yourself and that kind of trust. And then I'm going to talk about mending trust in a relationship or, or, you know, building trust with somebody. Now, when you're talking about trust within yourself, you have to focus mainly on trusting that you will be okay with any outcome. You have to focus on how how much do I trust myself that I will survive this and not only survive but recover and thrive if if this were to break down. That's a huge one because once you can understand that your focus is on your relationship with yourself and how much you are willing to have your own back if and when shit hits the fan, and you're going to feel a lot more relaxed about trusting other people. If the stakes are really high and you think, if I'm alone, I'm fucked because I don't have my back, it's going to be a disaster. I can't be alone. I can't. I don't trust that I'm going to be okay. I don't trust that I can that I can do this for myself or that I can support myself. And the stakes are very fucking high, right? And so then you're putting all this pressure on the person that you're involved with, mainly someone that you are romantically involved with. So you put all this pressure on them and the thought of them breaking your trust is just terrifying because you don't trust that you will be okay for yourself. You don't trust that you will have your back. So you put all the pressure and all the ownership on that person. And then because of that, you enter into all these fearful behaviors and these checking behaviors, constantly checking up on somebody because you're trying to constantly reassure yourself that the worst thing your, the worst case scenario won't happen, that they cheat on you or that they leave you or that they're in love with somebody else. You want to trust that you will be okay with the outcome, that you are enough and that you have what it takes to provide yourself with the tools to be happy, okay? When you're trusting someone, you only have what that person has shown you or what that person has told you. If you think about it, you can never really know what is going on in somebody else's life. You can never really know. You could have been married to someone, have the best marriage until until you're fucking 100 years old and it turns out that that person 40 years ago had an affair and you never knew blissfully, blissfully in a way you never knew. You know, you that is what trust is about. The point of trust is to believe someone's word without proof or evidence. If you require proof or if you require evidence, then trust is pointless. It defeats the purpose of trusting someone, right? Then it means that you don't trust them. If you're saying to your partner, I need proof of this, then that in and of itself means I do not trust you. Trust is there as a replacement for evidence because you think that that person is believable because you think you you value this person high enough. You think that they are a decent enough person. So you are then willing to trust what they are saying. You are saying, I'm willing to take your word that you are being honest or that you will follow through with what you said you would follow through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This idea of how can I know that you'll never cheat on me again? How can I trust you? That is the point of trust, accepting what they have to say and taking that as the truth. Knowing very well that they could lie to you again, that they could cheat on you again, but believing that they won't based on certain things that that person's done to try and rectify the problem. 
But if you're sitting there thinking, all right, now that you've cheated on me, I can never trust you again. So every time you get home, you need to sit down, give me your phone. I'm going to go through it. Okay, great. Now I want to have a tracker on your phone. I need to know where you are at all times. Okay, great. What kind of a life is that? Genuinely, genuinely, if I was in a relationship where for whatever reason I, I was not able to trust my partner, I would rather be single. Because that's, you're living in a prison in your own head. It's a torture every single day and it's not worth it for that little moment of relief that you get every day after you've checked up on your partner. It's not worth it. That's why when it comes to relationships, I don't like this idea of, of telling someone that they have to earn your trust. I would never say to someone that you, you have to earn my trust in a romantic relationship. Because ideally, when you're entering a brand new relationship, you want to give that relationship every chance it's got to succeed. But if you say, I don't trust you, I trust evidence, I need to check up on you and you need to prove yourself. And then once you've proven yourself, then I'll trust you. you, you you're causing a lot of problems at, at the onset of the relationship because that behavior of checking, it's kind of this confirmation, this constant behavior of confirming not only a belief or a thought, but confirming a feeling. And that feeling then starts becoming really, really addictive. You get addicted to the highs and lows of this roller coaster that is being in a in a non-trusting relationship. It's so anxiety provoking and releases so much stress hormones. You're releasing a lot of stress thinking this person's fucking me over. This person's here. They said they were going to be here. And then you go and check up on them. You're looking at their stories. You're, you're, you're stalking all their friends' stories and seeing if you can catch them out on anything. And then you realize that they were telling the truth, that everything they said they were going to do, they're actually doing. So then you're like, oh, oh my God, thank God. Okay. And that, that moment of, oh, that's addictive. So you feel really good in that moment. You ride that wave. You love them again. You think, oh, okay, oh, poor things. Ha, 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 I thought this. And then what happens? Three days later, one day later, the same shit happens again. The same cycle happens again. So if you think that it's a good idea to build a relationship where somebody earns your trust, you are saying, I'm going to start off with these really unhealthy patterns. And then miraculously, once you reach this arbitrary date where I decide, yep, you're trustworthy, I'm just going to stop engaging in these behaviors. It doesn't work like that. You either trust or you don't. It's black and white, okay? And if you think, oh, I'm not sure, then you don't trust. To trust somebody is very much an internal thing because, of course, there can be clues that people drop that you think, okay, well, I can very clearly see that you're not a trustworthy person. I don't need to lean into any kind of instinct or whatever. I can just see it outright that you're not a trustworthy person. Some people make it very easy for you to determine if they're trustworthy or not. But if we're talking about someone that you have no idea if they're trustworthy or not, as far as face value is concerned, they've not given you any reason not to trust them. That's what we're talking about in this instance. If you, th Then that comes down to how you feel within yourself and how you're choosing to interpret a situation, okay? Whether it's conscious or subconscious. But that is something that's totally internal. If you're looking at somebody that's given you no reason not to trust them, but you say, oh my God, I know how relationships work. I know how this goes down. I've been fucked over so many times. I, I'm yet to find a relationship that's whatever. Then what do you think is going to happen? You're going to have a relationship where you are prodding, 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 and you end up pushing that other person away or you end up creating those behaviors in the other person and then they become someone that's checking, 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 and then it causes a very toxic, unhealthy environment for the relationship. So either you lose them 
or they then become just as intense and just as um, just as neurotic as you become in a relationship with this checking behavior. There is no way in hell or any other place apart from hell that you can feel secure in a relationship if you have to check up um, check up on them and snoop through their shit in order to find security. You don't find security. You either feel it or you don't feel it, okay? So this snooping around is a recipe to make you feel really worse because every, every single time you check on your partner, or you check up on your partner, I should say, you are confirming that it's okay to do that. You're confirming to yourself this is normal behavior, this is normal. And every time you do it, it becomes more and more, you normalize it, it becomes more and more normal. And so then you... You start feeling that huge sense of relief every time that you don't find something and then the more you feel that relief, the more you feel that you need to feel that relief, okay? And then then you're never going to find a, a moment where you're like, oh, I no longer need to do that, I'm fine. You've just created this cycle for yourself. We are addicted, we get addicted to these things because it taps into this anticipation like anticipation, this rush of adrenaline, okay? You get fired up, you build yourself up, then you check in on that person, you check up on them and there, there's the relief, okay? So that's addictive and addictions are really hard to break, okay? One thing that I want you to do is pay attention to your language and what you expect from people. You want to stop setting yourself and other people up around you to fail. Stop setting it up for failure, Relationships, especially long-term relationships, are going to go through many, many, many evolutions, okay? Many evolutions. So I think it's not really that healthy. I mean, you can say it, you can throw it around, whatever, but I don't think it's that healthy to truly, truly hold someone to a promise that they made for eternity and then if they were to break the promise, then because they broke it, you are now not able to trust not only that person but nobody else, Nobody else because, you know, now I've been burnt. And what I mean by this is where someone makes a promise to love you forever. I think that's a, quite a ridiculous promise to ask of someone, to demand of someone or to make to somebody. And I don't have a problem with people saying it, but how much importance are you putting on it when you legitimately have, have someone promise you that they're going to love you forever? It's a lovely gesture. It's very romantic. But how can you know the mind and the headspace that you're going to be in in 10 15, 40 years time. How do you know? You can only hope that you're both going to work on the relationship to the extent that both of you are as invested as each other and that you keep evolving together. And hopefully, if both of you want it, you both love each other forever. You know what I mean? But that doesn't sound that great on the vows, does it? I don't see that as trust. Oh, you, you promised you'll love me forever and then you did? Okay, now you're trustworthy. That's not really – I don't look at that as, as the foundations of trust. Trust isn't really holding someone to something that they promised and not letting them waver, not letting them turn around. Trust should be knowing that you can be open and honest and vulnerable with somebody and hoping that they feel comfortable with you to do the same thing. It's not saying, aha, no, no, I can't. You promised you can't go back on your word. It's saying, I want you to feel comfortable enough that if you want to turn around and say, you know, I might have said this, but I'm actually feeling this that you can say that to me because you trust that I will receive that information 
in an understanding way that I'm not going to attack you with that information, okay? It's this idea of always keeping the communication lines open no matter what. That is what I consider a trusting relationship because I don't think it's fair to say to somebody, you know, you're bound to these rules that we set on X day and we both made these promises and whatever when we're ever evolving beings. The best thing you can hope for in a relationship by far is to agree to always be, you know, open with each other and listen to what the other person has to say. You can only ever ask someone to always be honest with you where they are on their their journey. That's the most you can ask from someone. And when you do that, you become so much closer to that person because you're trying to learn who they are and you're trying to go on that journey with them. If you try and resist and say, well, you promised me this or you've changed and you said you wouldn't change and you promised that you would always do X or that you would never become someone who does this or that you would never do that, then you're saying to someone, you are bound to the version of you that I met at that age, at that time, you're bound to that. And if you waver outside the lines, then I deem that as you breaking the trust, you know. And that's very, com- com- that's very confining. You're, 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 you're suffocating that person. And when someone does it to you, you feel suffocated. Instead, you should be saying, I trust that you'll evolve. And what I would like is for us to always be on that journey together, always keeping the communication lines open to at the very least agree that when something changes, the other person will at the very least hear them out. You know, it's this constant conversation that has to go down in any kind of relationship. And when something happens, you speak about it, okay? Yes, trust can be broken in the sense of, you know, infidelity and things like that, which I'll go into in the next section of this episode. But you always have to keep in mind that when infidelity occurs, again, that's something that has shifted within the relationship. Something has changed here. Obviously, if someone, if when you get together, if you agree that you're going to be monogamous and you're going to be, you know, um, loyal to each other, and then a few years down the track or whatever that then breaks, then something has shifted. Either that or you read them wrong and they lied to you in the first place. But I'm going, to be, I'm going to be talking about infidelity and all of that in the second half of this episode. But what I want you to focus on with what I'm talking about now is this idea that, if, that you don't want to be resisting letting someone grow around you because the moment you do, that's when lies happen. That's when lies crop up and that's when someone only shows you one version of themselves because they're not going to feel judged, they're not going to feel attacked. So then you, you start seeing a very filtered version of who they are and that's a very dangerous place to be in and a lot of parents do that with their children. They judge, 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 judge. You, you used to be like this. You are oh, what a shame that this. Blah, 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 blah. And then that child, the easiest solution for them is to only show a filtered version of themselves when they're visiting their parents and the moment they, they leave their parents' place, they're like, oh, okay, that would a relief. Okay, don't have to put on that act until I see them again. That's really sad. And who's caused that? The parents, okay? So what you want to do is you want to create an open line of communication and say, listen, people change, things happen. We need to just talk about things as they occur. What I can always guarantee you is that I will always listen to what you have to say. I might not like it and I might not agree with you, but I will always give you the time and I will always give you my attention and listen. And if you can have that in a relationship, then your chances at succeeding and being able to trust each other and feeling comfortable and feeling safe increase dramatically. You have to pay attention to to the commitments and promises that you make with people because always remind yourself that when someone makes a promise, 
it's a reflection of who they were or who they are at the time that they're making the promise, what their life looked like. It's a snapshot and what they believed in at the time. Those things can evolve, okay? So just try and keep the communication open. An issue with holding someone to a promise is that you might unintentionally have set yourself up to be let down, you know? How can you ask someone to promise that they're never going to leave you? And that when things change and then, you know, if someone falls out of love with you and then they leave you, then you say, whatever happened to, you know, forever after? Whatever happened to the promise you made? Whatever happened to the vows? You broke them and now how can I trust someone ever again? I've been fucked over. See what's going on here? You're creating a situation that's causing you a lot of suffering because of a promise that you're holding on to, to you know, a promise that was made when that person was a different, you know, at a different point in their life. Okay, now let's talk about what I think most people want to be tuning into in, and that is how to either build trust with someone or to regain trust with someone where the trust has been broken. So if you're trying to make it work with someone who's been unfaithful and you don't know how you're ever going to trust them again or if you're just trying to find trust in a relationship when you've never had a trusting relationship, there's a few questions that I want you to be asking yourself, okay? Um Knowing what you now know about trust and that the actual meaning of trust is to believe someone's word without evidence, then I want you to ask yourself these following things, okay? Every time you get into a spiral where you're not trusting someone, you want to ask yourself, how much of this is an assumption? Because we blend assumptions and beliefs very heavily and they should not be blended together. You are assuming something versus I believe something. And when your partner decides, oh, I'm going to go out for the day and whatever, and then they don't message you back, you could either think, this is where you jump to a conclusion. Your conclusion that you jump to could be, they're busy, number one. Number two, oh, their phone died. Or you could jump to a conclusion of like, they're fucking around on me and they're just avoiding contacting me. I can't get a hold of them. Fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. Or then there's a whole bunch of other conclusion that you could jump to but you you instantly come up with a conclusion you assume that something has happened based on the little information that you have and then ask yourself how often do I jump to negative conclusions based on this assumption okay because if you find that you're always jumping to these negative conclusions based on this assumption especially within this relationship you have to ask yourself what where is this coming from Is it because you've been cheated on in the past? Is it because you yourself have been dodgy in the past and you know what that looks like and then when you see a behaviour that looks similar to that, you think, oh, I recognise this because I've cheated in the past and I can identify that behaviour and I think that they're cheating on me. What? Where is this coming from? Or has this person given you really good reason to believe that they are cheating on you? Like has their behavior all of a sudden changed and things just look a bit weird and they're going into the bathroom always holding their phone? Because sometimes you, you, the reason you are not trusting them is for good reason. Sometimes your instincts are saying, I've picked up on several red flags that were not there before and this is weird. Then you might think, okay, I'm having doubts because of X, Y, Z. Then a really important question to ask yourself is, what about my expectations is this person not meeting? Because it's really important to ask yourself that question because you've got to, sometimes you then realize, wait a minute, these expectations are really unrealistic. I'm expecting this person to what? Like, uh, you know, they could just be living their life just being perfectly like a great partner, 
doing all the right things as far as you're concerned, but then because you've been burnt in the past, you think, nah, I don't trust this. Nah, I don't trust that. So you've got to say, what are my expectations? And what about that? Are they not meeting? Am I expecting them to do things that's unfair? Am I expecting them to show me things and show me parts of their life and, you know, their phone and private things that not even I need to be privy to? Am I expecting all these things? And, and why am I so disappointed to the extent that I have to be checking up on them all the time? Sometimes we don't even ask ourselves what our expectations are within a relationship and what we want from a certain person. We don't even know what they are. Ask yourself, what are they? And why am I so disappointed by this person? And what are they not meeting? Because sometimes it makes you realize, wow, that expectation is not really fair or you know, I'm expecting something from them that they don't even know exists. They're not even aware of this expectation and here I am getting riled up about it, but I've not even communicated this across to the, this person. Then ask, how much of my past am I projecting onto this person? In most cases, it's a lot. A lot of the time when we've been burnt, we put that on. We put the expectation of our, our healing on our new partner. Do you expect this person to pick up the pieces that your ex left behind? Are you expecting them to heal the wounds of your ex by punishing them every time you feel insecure or you feel reminded by an event or something that your ex did. Because if that's the case, then you're never going to be happy going about it the way you're going about because it's impossible for your new partners to heal the wounds of your exes. It's not possible. Then ask, am I expecting to be cheated on or lied to? It's almost like a confirmation bias where you think everyone's going to cheat, everyone always does it, and you're almost in this weird way trying to catch them out so you can say, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I was right, I sensed it, I knew it. It just confirms what I know to be true. And it sounds ridiculous that someone would want to do it, but we do it. We even try and find confirmations that we're right, even about things that are painful and things that would hurt us if they turned out to be true. And then one last thing to ask yourself is, am I mirroring their behavior? Would I not have even thought about checking up on this person or checking or, you know, snooping on them if it wasn't for how often they snoop on me? Very often in a toxic relationship, we pick up on these behaviors because they're doing it to you all the time. But that's not a good enough reason to do it. And I would argue that if you're in a relationship where someone's doing that to you all the time, that that needs to change either by going to therapy or the relationship needs to fucking dissolve. I don't know, but that's not healthy at all. And the solution is not to then mirror that behavior back to them to show them how it feels like because then you subconsciously get caught up in it and then you end up needing it. Sometimes we get so caught up in making sure that our partner is being faithful and we don't trust them. We've got reasons why we don't trust them and this and that and this and that. And you've got to ask yourself, what is more valuable to me? Do I want... Do I want to make sure this person never slips up by keeping them on a short leash or do I want to be happy? And sometimes happiness means that you've got to release people out of your life or you've got to release certain thought patterns or certain behaviours. And sometimes the way I look at it is if I had a partner who I just didn't trust and no matter how much checking up I did, no matter what, I just never could catch them out and, you know, there, there was no big reason for me to believe that they actually cheated but I just didn't trust them I honestly would rather not be with them because to me this idea of not trusting someone is insane how can you lie in the same bed as somebody day in day out share 
intimate moments about your life and not trust them. That's terrifying to me. I would much rather my own company any day of the week than be with someone that I didn't trust, okay? Trust has to come from you. And when you're dealing with somebody who's already, you know, been unfaithful or whatever and you've decided to both come together to mend the relationship, you have to find a way of making this next part of the relationship almost like a brand new relationship. If you decide, oh, okay, let's just pick up where we left off, you're probably going to have a lot of pain and resentment. You, this, there needs to be a pause where you feel heard and understood. And if you can't get to that point, you're probably going to resent and not trust your partner moving forward. If you feel like your partner's kind of shut it down, brushed it off, they feel really guilty, they feel embarrassed for what they did, they just want you back, that's not good enough in a lot of cases. And it's okay to be the person that says, I need more. I need more from you. I need to feel safe with you. And a lot of the time when cheating has occurred and you've then gotten back together, you don't feel safe because the partner who did the cheating is just so horrified about what went down there so that they actually don't talk about it much. And they, they also probably feel like it's not a topic that needs to be discussed because it's a very painful topic, especially for the person that was cheated on, right? So they just think, okay, well, let's just, you know, like, I won't do it again. How do, how, do I, how do I show you that I can be trusted? But sometimes it's just the act of saying, how can I actually support you in this? You know, how can I be there for you? One of the best ways to regain trust is, yeah, of course, not engaging in the behaviors that broke the trust in the first place, but a really good way of, of creating a really trusting place is to let each other talk about how they feel about what went down, open up about it and say, where do I think the cracks were for me? Like if someone went and cheated, you know, why did you cheat? Is it because you didn't want a monogamous relationship in the first place? Is it because you fell out of love and then only when you lost that person, you decided, wait a minute, I actually do love them? Is it like, why did you go and cheat? Because it doesn't just happen. You don't just fall into an affair. You take action on an affair. So these things need to be cracked open and discussed. And the more open you can get your partner to be if they the one, if they are the ones who cheated and then you're deciding to rekindle as painful as it is to listen the more open you can get them to be the better the chances that you can understand each other feel comfortable with each other and create a new kind of closeness with each other that maybe you never even had sometimes after an affair couples can get back together and can mend it in a way that they were closer than they've ever been that can happen but it takes two people to do that It can't just be one partner doing it. And you also can't say, yep, let's get back together and then make that person suffer for the rest of their life about that infidelity. You can can talk about it and they might not like talking about it. You, You are free to talk about it, but you can't bring up the fact that they had an affair on irrelevant things later on. Like if you then go and do something that they weren't happy with, you can't turn around and say, well, you cheated on me, so blah, blah, blah because that's, that then causes like a massive problem in the relationship and a problem that that person could never, never right the wrong of something that happened that time, you know. Like how can you turn around and make it better? You can't. You have to both meet in the middle and say, how are we going to do this relationship the next time around? What are we going to do differently? How are we going to treat each other? How are we going to approach being honest and vulnerable, okay? Because yes, They can apologize and they can show you that they're remorseful and that's very important. 
but you both have to then decide if we're going to do this again, we've got to do it differently. We have to do some things differently, okay? I can guarantee you that if someone has cheated on you and you decide to get back together with them, you keeping your partner on a short leash does not stop them from cheating. It only makes it harder to do so. So you thinking, oh, well, they've cheated on me once, so now I'm going to check up on your – that's not the solution. That's not the solution, okay? There may not be a solution and your relationship might have to end, but I can guarantee you, you checking in on them is not the solution because cheating and wanting to cheat is just as bad as each other. If if a partner wants to cheat, they probably will manage to do so. And if they can't purely because you had them under such a close watch, what does that say? It says that the only reason that they didn't veer away from you is because you ha- you were like, oh, you're not fucking going anywhere. You're not fucking, I'm going to watch her. What the fuck? You know, you don't want that for yourself. Cheating and want to cheat to me is the same thing. It's just, is the opportunity present or is it not? And if the opportunity were present, would they do it? There's your answer, okay? The, the intention behind it is what you're paying attention to. I just don't see the value whatsoever for your own mental health and for the health of rela- the relationship to be babysitting your partner. It, it gets you nowhere, okay? Because that in itself is lack of trust. You're not trusting them. If you're constantly saying, I need evidence, I need evidence, I need evidence, I need proof, 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 you don't trust them. And then where is the relationship headed if you don't trust them? When someone breaks your trust, you have to find a way to really break it down Come to meet in the middle and try and find a way to regain that trust by changing the dynamic of the relationship, by becoming more open, more vulnerable and speaking about your fears, speaking about everything that's on your mind. And as you evolve, share that evolution with your partner. A lot of the time, if a partner is one person's changed, the other person hasn't changed, one of them might end up going off and having an affair because not it's and this is no blame on the other partner but they in themselves feel that something in them has changed they're wanting to explore this new side of them but they can't share that new side of them with their partner or they might feel oh my partner's gone and changed and they're living this whole life and I'm not happy so I'm going to do this it's not a it's not a blaming on the partner it's always about you it's always an internal battle that's going on but it's this idea of i didn't feel that connected with my partner anymore. I believe that a lot of trust comes down to this deep, deep connection that you have where you can be vulnerable, where you can share your pains, your joys, your thoughts, your your fears, everything. Vulnerability and honesty with your partner is one of the best forms of intimacy. It's one of the best ways to get you closer and closer together, okay? And that's how you learn to trust somebody again. So to conclude with everything, you will never truly know if someone is going around behind your back or not. It's impossible to know that about people in your life. You're not a spy. You're not watching them 24-7. But distrusting in someone is like living out this pain and anxiety before it unfolds, if it ever even unfolds. Distrust is an insecurity. And sometimes, rightly so, it's an insecurity because you might have good reasons to not feel secure in a relationship with your partner or with a friend, they might have broken your trust and then done nothing to repair and then you feel insecure. So you might have good reason to feel insecure. But a lot of the time we use past, we use our past history 
to determine how if we're going to feel secure or not with somebody who's brand new in our life. And that's when it becomes irrational and that's when it becomes unfair and that's when it becomes destructive to the relationship. Because if somebody is providing you no reason to distrust them and no red flags, then the behaviour that you're engaging in is toxic and distrusting. You constantly seeking approval from your partner is making your partner feel that nothing they are doing is good enough and that them just being who they are is just not good enough just because somebody in your past caused you this pain. And it's really sad because often it's someone's been, you know, put through hell with an ex and they really are a victim of a toxic relationship. And then unfortunately for them, with no intention to do so, they go and subconsciously self-destruct the next relationship because they've got all this baggage um, that they carry from their toxic relationship. So it's not to say that you're being an awful person. Most of the time it's done completely not on purpose, but you end up hurting your relationship and hurting your partner because you distrust somebody that might be the most trusting person for you. So you have to be asking yourself all these questions. You have to be you have to be always analyzing yourself if you want change. It's not as easy as thinking something once and for things to turn around for you. If you always have felt that you can't trust somebody, often that's kind of just a behavior that's replayed itself, replayed itself and it becomes difficult to just, "Oh, I just trust you all of a sudden." But you have to always remind yourself that you, in order to trust someone, the definition of trust is to believe them without evidence. So if you're saying, oh, no, yeah, I'll trust you, but I just need to check, then you don't trust. Trust requires you to believe somebody's word blindly. Obviously, not completely blindly because you're also judging them on their character. You're also, you know, if someone's some dodgy cunt, then it's easy not to trust them and that's okay. But... If someone's given you absolutely no reason and you still don't trust them and you're saying, oh, I'll trust you once I say this, this and this, then you are not trusting that person. So you've got to be asking all those questions that I put down earlier um, about assumptions, jumping to conclusions, all those things. I want you to be asking yourself those questions again and again and again. Guys, I hope that this podcast gave you good food for thought when it comes to trust and when it comes to how you view trust and how it's more something for yourself than it is anything else. Love you guys so much. As always, keep sharing the podcast, keep sharing it and sending it to family and friends. The growth of this podcast is 100% thanks to you guys, my community and my beautiful beings around the world who would just continue to share it. I really appreciate it. Um, it still makes me just as happy now when I see you guys share my podcast on your stories as it did the first time. It's always honestly such a pleasure to see that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, guys, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from your brain. Danke.